Hey, good morning, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that intro from our new pastors here at the Vineyard. Um, listen, if you have a youth between 6th and 12th grade, their service starts now. Pastor Ike is, is waving in the back. And there we go. So welcome again to the Vineyard. Um, before we, we dive in today, I just, I, as we kind of celebrate um, all the good things that are happening here at the church, the, uh, the transitions and kind of the new life that's, that's kind of brooming and happening, um, we believe at our church, as, as the Bible teaches us, we, we, we acknowledge and we celebrate uh, and we also mourn. Um, and especially as like large things happen in our country, um, we think it's important as a people called to be reconcilers that like we acknowledge that and we pray for and continue to seek reconciliation in our communities. For those of you who don't know, 10 people were killed in a mass shooting uh, yesterday um, that was motivated by, by hate. Um, and uh, a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo, New York. And so as we kind of, the word escapes me, but as we kind of just wrestle with that as a community, like to be able to acknowledge the pain there, acknowledge the, the hurt there, and acknowledge that we continue to struggle so much as you're reminded of all those <laughs> that have happened, especially over the last couple years, right? Um, and... And so I just want to take this moment to, to acknowledge that, uh, to pray, and to just seek God's kingdom. Because um, hate persists, but God's love persists more. And that's what our hope is in. So we're hoping that you'll just bow your heads with us right now, and we're going to go ahead and uh, pray for Buffalo and pray for this community and pray for our community. Um, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we just, we just acknowledge your presence in this place, Lord, and we thank you for your overwhelming love, uh, even in moments in which we can't see it, Lord, and we struggle to feel it. Lord, we just, we just pray that your kingdom breaks through. We pray, pray that you break through, Lord, and that um, you just yeah, surround us with your presence, Lord. Um, and Lord, we pray over Buffalo. We pray over um, this community that is experienced and is experiencing so much pain, Lord, that they just feel you, Lord, um, and that you help their leaders and you help um, their community members and their family members make sense of this moment, Lord, and you help guide them, Lord, to see um, what you have for them, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for those who lament, Lord, that you just hold them, um, that as they cry to you, Lord, that uh, you um, comfort them, Lord, and allow them to um, just experience uh, what you have for them, Lord. And Lord, as we continue to fight for a racial reconciliation, Lord, as we continue to um, spread your word, Lord, and spread your love, Lord, uh, that we see you as the guiding light, Lord, um, that we move, Lord, because of uh, your presence in our hearts, Lord, that we learn what it means uh, for, uh, for us to love our neighbors the way you have chosen to love us, Lord. Lord, we just pray over each person in this room as we make sense of our individual and collective responsibility um, to see a better future, Lord, to see your future, Lord. Um, we just pray that you continue to um, envelop us, continue to guide us, Lord, and that we continue to open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say, Lord, and how you might convict us, Lord. Lord, we just, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who forgives. We thank you that you are a God of mercy, Lord, and we just pray mercy um, today, Lord, and, and in the future, Lord. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, right now, I'm going to invite Mark Ming up. Mark is part of our teaching team, and I'm excited for him as he is going to be teaching today for the first time in, in a while. A little rusty. We'll see. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mark is never rusty. Mark is always awesome. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. 
Um, yeah, I want to thank you and Kim for shedding light on that. I was not aware of that. I don't know if you were aware of that, um, but I wasn't when I came in this morning. And, uh, you know, there's people that are hurting as a result of that. And um, I certainly have my own experience with hurt. Oh, man, I hope I can make it through this. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, the, the scriptures that Jeremy was quoting and then Kim's prayer made me realize that we just live in a broken world. It's painful when it, we see that brokenness manifest. Um, it was broken when Jesus came. It's still broken. But where sin abounds, grace is still abounding more. And we need to pray because there's hurting people. And God's heart hurts. And there's only one answer. We know the answer. Until Jesus comes again, there's going to be hurt and pain in a broken world. Um, but as I, before I start, I want to just tell you, thank you for loving me. Praying for me, supporting me. When I lost my wife December 26. So, um, gosh, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> but um, it's good for our emotions to come forth. And, um, but no, thank you. I, I would not have made it without God's grace. And your prayers, because he answers prayers. He answers prayers. He, he hears the prayers of his people, and he answers them. And when individually we're praying, sometimes we're like, you know, does it mean anything? But it does. And especially when we pray corporately, there is a unity there, and it talks about it rising up like incense. And God delights in that and he responds to it so just from my heart before I tap my microphone <laughs> thank you thank you thank you okay well let's get started um, you have a Bible turn to John 14 if you have an app you can use that it'll be on a screen John 14 let me give you a uh, background so 14, 15, and 16 of John, the Gospel of John, is Jesus' last teaching before the crucifixion. It starts off with chapter 13, kind of starts this four-chapter journey. And in 13, they have supper together, and then Jesus washes their feet, and he teaches a little bit about that. And then... He goes into the betrayal thing where Jesus' heart is just grieved and he begins to confess before them the pain that he's beginning to feel about what's coming. And John leans on his breast and said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus dips the bread in the broth and gives it to Judas and Judas leaves. And now it's down to Jesus and the eleven. And he teaches a little bit more about just what happened and it ends, 13 ends with, with Peter saying, I'll never deny you, and Jesus saying, but you will. And then it moves into chapter 14. So 14 becomes this, it's a great reading. It's his last teaching before his crucifixion. And there's several things that he touches on, but one of, he introduces this major theme throughout those three chapters about a helper, a coming helper. And I want to take a look at that. So let's start off with the next verse. John 14, starting in verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So this is the first verse in this three-chapter discourse where Jesus introduces this helper. Now, I highlighted some key points. Do you realize that Jesus promises that the helper, the Holy Spirit, who comes into us when we're born again is never going to leave us? Now, I don't mean like while we're down here on earth in our body. Forever, he will dwell in us. Forever. That when the Holy Spirit came into you, that is a permanent thing. And he is going to be with you forever. Forever God will be inside you. Forever you will be a temple of him. And he will reside in you. And Jesus talks about, he says, you know, he's been with you but he's going to be in you. And that's a remarkable shift here because Jesus has been with them, but he, Jesus has not been in them. And Jesus is saying something is going to change. There's going to be another helper, and he is going to come into you. And then Jesus makes this statement. He says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And he comes to us through the Holy Spirit who is inside of us. He says, I'm not going to... He ends this talking about... He's talking about the helper, but then he ends talking about himself saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to come to you because the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. So let's go to the next verse. John 14... 25, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And right here, Jesus begins to talk about what this helper will do for us, what he will do inside us, and that he is going to teach you, me, all of us in Christ, all things. Wow. That's a huge statement. All things? But you know, it stretches into eternity with him being in us. So it's not like all of that may come now, but he wants to teach us. And not only that, he reminds us. How many have you before had verses come to you, right? The Holy Spirit is bringing that to you at that moment. He's actually fulfilling that verse right there when that happens. The Holy Spirit is doing this. Now, let's go to John 16. And Jesus continues. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, I don't know about you, but I find, I imagine when the disciples heard, it is your, to your advantage that I leave, I imagine they were like, I don't think so. I mean, what could be better than God in flesh in your company, and you get to hear him with your ear? Right? And you get to see him. You get to see the expressions on his face until you realize, well, the only people who would be privy to that would be the ones that were in his presence. 
what about all the other people? What about the folks who never got to see Jesus? Who lived in that part of the world but never got to see him? When God was in flesh walking the earth. And then, you know, you take that and spread it to all, all over the planet. And now you can begin to understand what Jesus is saying. He says, I, I'm telling you the truth. It's to your advantage that I leave. And I'm sure they, they, they were having a hard time with this, trying to understand how can it be? You know, sometimes we're like that, right? How can it be? But he says, if I do not leave, the helper won't come. But if I go, he will come. And then let's turn to the last one in John 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. You know, I think when Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear it now, I think that's still true for you and me. I think the there's many things that he wants to talk to us about. I'm talking about the helper and Jesus through the helper. And sometimes we can't bear them at the moment, but he still wants to communicate to us. And he begins to talk about three more things that this Holy Spirit, this helper is going to do. He's going to guide you into all truth. Now, it's just, not, it's just not teaching us, but he wants to guide us. You know, those are two different things, right? I mean, we got some teachers in, our, in here in our church, and they know what it is to get up and to instruct and to ins explain. And then there's another thing that's where you're guiding someone into something. That's kind of two different operations. And the helper wants to do both of that to us and also do you get this that he wants to tell us things to come like things that haven't happened yet have you ever been like I don't know you're preparing to, to go somewhere and you kind of get this little impression um, that maybe you're going to see somebody there you're, or something's going to happen or you're you're going to come across this situation subtly, but yet those things are happening because that he's telling you something that's going to come. See, he's doing that. And he's going to declare things to us. So, let's take a look at kind of the summary of everything that Jesus said about the helper. Here's what Jesus said that he will do. He will live within us throughout eternity. He is going to be in you forever. Your own personal helper, your own personal teacher, your own personal guide. He's going to teach you all things. I want, that to, I want you to soak on that. He wants to teach you Beyond what you know right now, he wants to teach you more. He will remind you of things that you have been taught. He'll bring those back to you at the opportune time. And when he does, it's meant for a purpose for us to go, and, okay, and we, we go with it. See, that's what he wants to do. He reminds us for a reason. He wants to guide us, and he will guide us into all truth. He wants to take you by your hand and guide you into something that you may not be familiar with. He wants to reveal to us things yet to happen. And he wants to declare things to us. He wants to reveal. He wants to speak them to us. 
I don't know about you, I want that and I need that. I think Alan kind of wants that too, right? I mean, he's a pumped up guy. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you two ways that the Holy Spirit speaks, and guides, and reveals, and declares. Not, now, when I say that, I, I'm not talking about how he does that, like small, still voice and impressions that you may get. Or maybe you have some images that come across your mind or you have dreams. I'm not talking about how he's communicating. I'm talking about ways or the manner in which he communicates. And these are some, these, there's more, I'm sure there's many more ways, but I'm going to share two of them with you. And the, these are things that I think I've just stumbled upon in my many trial and errors of trying to learn how to work with the one who's inside. I mean, I've made so many mistakes in this area, but you learn through mistakes, right? I mean, you learn through mistakes, and some of them are maybe hard lessons, but you still learn. And so, um, yeah, you know, as I'm sharing this, maybe you hear it and you go, okay, you know, yeah, I've experienced that myself. Or maybe you hear it and like, oh, I didn't know that. But you know what? We can all, as a church, learn together how to walk with the helper who's inside of us. So I'm hoping that this can impart some, some good things to you. Um, now, we've got scripture. I'm going to cover scripture for each one of the two. What I want you to do is don't get bogged down into the details of the story, but just kind of pull back and look at how the communicate, the way, the manner, the communication is coming across, okay? You with me? Okay. Number one, the communication is clear but not complete. The communication is clear. When it comes to you, it's clear. You're, you're clearly understanding what he's saying. But he's not telling you everything about it. He doesn't put all the cards on the table and tell you everything up front. But what he does tell you is clear each time he speaks. Okay? Let's go to Acts chapter 8. We're going to go in Acts chapter 8 for the story. Let me give you the background to this. So, the Jerusalem church was a mega church. It was. I mean, it had thousands of people in this church, the church in Jerusalem. And um, one of the ministries they had in their church, just like we have ministries in our church, was feeding the widows. And that was a very important back in that day. You know, we live in a time where we have government programs that take care of things like that right? But they didn't have that. And so usually the, the husband was the bread, bread earner, money earner in the family, and if the husband passed away and the wife became a widow, very likely she was going to fall into poverty, okay? Same thing with orphans. If they lost their parents, they just fought. There wasn't a government program to help them. So Taking care of widows was a big deal to God and to the church. So they had this ministry to feed the widows. But there were some issues about, you know, Jew, Jewish widows were getting fed and, and other widows weren't. And so it came up to the leadership in the church and they created a formal ministry. And there's this guy named Philip who was put into the ministry along with some others to oversee it, okay? So Philip's in this ministry. And the Lord begins to stretch him, and he, he actually moves into more of an evangelistic-type ministry. And he's going around preaching the gospel, preaching salvation to people. So we're going to look at a story of Philip. Okay? Next verse. 826. 
Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all he said. It'd be like the Lord telling you, get in your car and go east on I-12. And nothing, you don't hear anything. Uh, well, my kids get out of school at 3. Am I going to be back by then? <laughs> uh, I got three-eighths of a tank of gas. Is it going to be enough, Lord? Nothing. So Philip hears a rise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and that's all he hears. Very clear, clear enough to do it, but uh, how long do I walk down this road, Lord? Well, what time of year was it? Was it summer? Was it winter? You know, in the desert, it gets cold at night. You ever been in the desert? It's at, even in the summer, it gets cool, and in the winter, it's downright cold because all the heat evaporates, and it's cold. So do I need to bring a sandwich and some water, Lord? You know, think about it. But that's all he hears, very clear, but not complete. Okay. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So think about it. Philip is in probably some house, I imagine, in the city. It's a walled city. Jerusalem's a big city. He hears, arise and go on the road heading south to Gaza. So he has to work his way probably to the southern gate of the city, southeastern gate, whatever that was come out of the gate and get on that road, and he's walking down that road. That's all he knows to do is that. And there happens to be this important person, foreigner, who's in his chariot. Now, I don't know, maybe he was just leaving Jerusalem, so as soon as Philip came out of the gate, he saw the chariot. I don't know. You don't know. Maybe he had to walk for an hour before he saw him. I don't know. But either way, you see what's happening. He wa he's walking and he sees this. And what's beautiful about this is Philip did exactly what he was told to do. What he heard, hear, I'm using that generically because there's a lot of ways for us to hear the Holy Spirit. He obeyed it. Now, next verse. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Then the Spirit said another part. Do you see what's happening? I think the most important word is then. And we're like, we're reading this now. We're like, why don't you say all of that up front? Right? Why don't you tell me all of it? Because sometimes when he speaks, the manner he speaks, it's clear, but it's not complete. Now, we won't go into the whole story, but it's a remarkable story. He runs up to the chariot and he hears the guy reading a prophecy about the Messiah who Philip knows who he is. His name is Jesus. We now know his name. And he hears him reading that prophecy. And Philip says, hey, do you know what you're reading? He's like, no. How can I unless someone comes up comes and helps me? And he invites Philip into his chariot. Wow. Wow. What a silver platter, man. 
All because he heard, arise, and get up, and get on the road, and go south. All because of that. So, what's the, more, what's the lesson of this story? When the Holy Spirit tells you something to do, you do that part because that is all you have. And do it trusting He will give you more at the right time. Now look guys, this is something that takes practice practically, in my opinion. It's easy to sit here and intellectually go, okay, right, check box, I got it. But it's a whole other thing when it actually happens to you. And then you're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm hearing the Lord because it's like, you know what I've noticed? I've noticed my mind becomes my biggest obstacle to this kind of stuff. Because my mind is designed to gather data, process it, reason it, analyze it, and come to a conclusion. And, but when the Spirit only gives you this much, it's clear, it's enough to obey. Your mind says, your mind's trying to process that, and it comes up with, what if? What ifs? Well, what if this happens? That, it's doing what it's designed to do. God made it to be that organ in us that does that. The problem is, now we're born again, we're in the Spirit, and the Spirit has all the data, but we don't get all the data necessarily. And our mind's trying to process that, and it comes up with, I don't know about that. I see potential risks in that. I see potential danger in that. What if this happens? What if that happens? And we, when we think that way, our emotions kick in and we feel anxiety. It's all the soul. It's a part of the soul and it's not wrong. It's doing what it's meant to do. But there's a part of us where the Holy Spirit is living and he's got all the answers. So when the Holy Spirit tells you something to do, this is... Look, this is not just theology. This is really practical. It's just, you know what? It's not hard. It's just different. It's not hard, but it's different. It's a different way of living. It's a different way of functioning. And it involves trust. Because when you obey the part that you know to do, you have to trust that he's going to show you the next step at the appropriate time. I'll just throw this out as a tangent. This is one thing I've learned. You know what? God is not a, gotcha. I was just checking you out to see if you were going to obey me. He's not like that. Never, ever, ever. There's not even a shadow of turning with him. He is rock solid, completely trustworthy. And being that he is that way, what would he be like to go, uh, I want you to go do this. Oh, Lord, did nothing happen? I was just checking you out to see if you are going to obey me. Well, that doesn't build trust. He's the most practical being there is. He's trustworthy. So what, what father or mother, what parent would want to do that to their child and build lack of trust? So he's never, so if you ever think you're hearing and you step out and it just crumbles and you're left going just telling you I've learned that through a lot of mistakes I've come back and go I don't know if that was God I come I pray about it and I find out that wasn't him but you know what we're learning how to hear him we're learning how to work with him it's okay he's a good father he wants to teach you all things. He wants to guide you into all truth. He wants you to know who he is. And he wants, you're his son, you're his daughter. Okay? 
Now, this kind of thing happens a lot in ministry situations, what I've discovered. Like whether you're on like the prayer team or, um, here's a good one, Spirit and Life Night. You know what's really interesting? Like I had this message planned by Monday, May 5th, and then Josh sends out the email on Thursday the 8th talking about we're having a Spirit and Life Night. I thought that was kind of interesting because I already had this in my message, this story. Um, but Spirit and Life Night's a perfect opportunity to practice. I mean, it is, we're in our own building, it's our own people, leadership is pastoring it, and you can, you can experiment, you can practice. But let's suppose, okay, it's coming this next Friday, you're sitting in the chair, and it's ministry time, and in your heart, you want to be used, you want to step out, but you don't know what to do. There's your mind telling you, I don't know what to do. And so you're looking around, let's say you look over there, you see a group of people, and there's this little spark in you that feels attracted to that. There's this little impression that says, go over there and just observe. Not, not the, this is, I got another story. Another story. Yeah. <laughs> I told, he says like, hey, do you got practical tips? I said, no, not really. And he, I said, but I do have a story. He's doing what he's supposed to do, right? And um, so when let, you're sitting in the chair, when that comes to you, you know what? That's clear enough to act on it if you'll be honest. It's clear enough to act on it. But your mind's going to tell you, but I don't know what to say when I get over there. Yeah, you don't know right now, you don't know, but it's clear enough for you to act on it. Okay? So just... just Kind of FYI, this coming up Friday night, Spirit and Life night. Okay, let's go into number two. Here's number two. The communication is not clear. Oh, my gosh. That's even worse, right? The communication is not clear. It's clear to him. It's just not clear to you. Okay? We're going to turn to Matthew 16. Let me give you a quick background. In Matthew 15, near the end, they, Jesus feeds the 4,000 people, okay? And um, as we go into, and there's like 12 large baskets of bread that they collect and fish, a whole lot of extra stuff. And as we go into chapter 16, there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees are testing Jesus, Okay? And Jesus answers them, and then, like, he and his 12 just walk away from the conversation, get in the boat, and go to the other side of, the, of, of Galilee, other side of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where we're going to pick up. So, Matthew 16, starting in verse 5. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we, had, we took no bread. He's saying this because we failed to take the bread. We picked up 12 baskets of bread and we forgot to take the bread. And he's upset with us. Okay, you see how that's happening? You see how the communication is coming across? Remember, don't get bogged down in the details. Just look at how the communication's coming. Next, next one. But when Jesus perceived it, he said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, and how many large baskets you took up. Now, sometimes Jesus is like, man, dude, just talk to me. Just speak plainly to me. I'm doing my best to try to understand. And he, 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 he's got a purpose when he speaks this way. God always has a purpose when he communicates to us, always. 
And he kind of corrects them and reproves them a little bit. Go to the next slide. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> You know what's intriguing to me about this? Is that Jesus kind of says the riddle again. Like he doesn't, he's, he, he could say, look guys, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about their teaching. He could have said that. But he, he says again, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he's working with them. You know what? I think he's working with them to get them to mature to where they're, he's not always having to hold their hand. And then they're kind of like, uh, I don't know anything unless you clearly tell me. Otherwise, I don't know anything. He's like, guys, I, I need you to mature. I need you to think like the kingdom. I need to train you to think the kingdom. And so that's my thoughts. You may have your thoughts about what Jesus is doing. But it's clear to Jesus what he's communicating. It's just not clear to them. So, whenever the Holy Spirit tells you something that you do not understand, or you experience something that you do not understand, seek Jesus and ask for understanding. Don't just be like, I don't know. I don't know what to do, and, I, and you just throw it away. Don't do that, because he wants to guide you into all truth, and he wants to teach you all things. And you're going to encounter times where I think I'm hearing him, but I don't understand it. Then go back to him and ask him for understanding. You know what? What did Jesus teach? Seek, and you shall Find, knock, and you sh it shall what? Be opened. Ask, and it will be given. And in the 14, 15, 16 section, he said, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. So learn to go back to him and ask. Okay, I'm going to close with the story. I love Yoni and Jonathan, man. Don't they do a great job, man? I mean, all their worship is always anointed. and I mean, they're just so skilled and, and anointed. And I love that. And thank you guys for your faithfulness. So here's a story. It's about Spirit and Life Night. So the first time we did Spirit and Life Night, I was asked to attend a Zoom call. We'd never done it before, and so I dialed into the Zoom call, and there was Jeremy, and there was Liz Powell. Dan and Liz were pastors on staff here, and they now are pastoring senior pastors of a church in Illinois, back where they're from. So there was Jeremy and Liz, Mariah Seaman. Mariah was our worship pastor at one time, and now he and his wife Biz are senior pastors of a church in Florida. So there was Jeremy, Liz, Mariah, and me on the call. And Jeremy opens up with a few statements about Spirit of Life Night, and he turns it over to Liz, and Liz takes and begins to give us the logistics of what Spirit and Life Night is going to be like how we're going to do it. And she says there's going to be three cycles of a worship ministry, worship ministry, worship ministry. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15, 15, 15, 15. 
she explained it all and she says, so Mariah, you know, and we'll start, Jeremy will open up with a few little statements and you come on up and you lead us in worship. And then when Mariah steps down, Mark, you come up, grab the mic and you lead us into the ministry period. I'm like, what? Because I've never done anything like that. And then Mark, after 15 minutes, you finish, and we just do this three times. Jeremy will close it. It's over with. 6.30 to 8. Now, I was excited because of something new and something where I would have to step into something new. I've learned to do that. I used to hate stuff like that. It made me real nervous, and I would be scared of that kind of stuff. But by time, I had learned, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about something new, but I was terrified because I'd never done it. So anyways, it's Friday night. We show up. I am nervous, man. I'm sweating under my arms. I'm anxious. And Jeremy comes up and starts the meeting, which is the last thing I wanted to see happen. And Mariah starts, and then I got to get up there. And I did what Liz said. I just started saying, like we say in the vineyard, come Holy Spirit. You heard Kim say that. Come Holy Spirit. Inviting, not like, hey, you're out. Hey, would you come over into the building? He's already among us. Where two or three are gathered, right? Jesus said, I'm in your midst. So it's not a call to like to come in. It's a call to, to come and begin to move among us. And... Uh, so in the first one, it was good. I mean, we had some people getting up, and we finished it, and Mariah came up and led worship the second time. I got up the second time and repeated it again. And I don't know, man, something just broke loose. And all of a sudden, there were a bunch of people moving around and ministering. I, I'm up here because I can see it. And there were more people walking around ministering than there were people sitting down. And... Um, I mean, it was just awesome. And all of a sudden, back, of course, we had more chairs that went all the way to the back. And kind of over here in this area, all of a sudden, there was this ah! sound. Jeremy comes up and says, Mark, come check that out. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> you know, he's the pastor. He's got to lead it. So I, I grabbed, went over there, and it was Liz Powell crying out like that. She had about five or six people praying around her. And man, just, gosh, it was an awesome move. I just stayed there for a little bit and myself, well, seems like they got it in control here. So I went back up. She came to me after the service and she said, man, Mark, I don't know what that was, but I just couldn't help it. She'd never really been around the move of the Holy Spirit like that. And it just overwhelmed her and she had to call out like whatever. And then we fit, so we finished that, and then we did another cycle. That was awesome. And then Jeremy had, he ended it, had a prophetic word or two. People came up to the front. We prayed over them. I mean, talk about a kickoff meeting. It was like, yes! It was awesome. Well, months went by, and we started, we, we planned a second one. And Liz said, okay, same scenario, Mark, Mariah, y'all, okay, 15 minutes, good. And I'm coming, I come in there like, mm, yeah, man, this is going to be great. And my turn came up in the first cycle, and, I, and it was kind of like similar to the first time we, we did Spirit and Life Night. The second time I came up, it was like hardly anybody was moving around, just a few. Everybody was sitting in their chair, and they're all looking at me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? Right? I didn't understand what's going on. I finished, and we did one more third cycle of worship. I did a third ministry time. Same thing, hardly anything. I'm beginning to think, Lord, I mean, is there sin in my life? I mean, you know what I doing the best we can to try to understand. I, I didn't understand. It wasn't clear to me. So we ended that night. And you know, it was weird. I had some people came up to me and they said, Mark, that was fabulous. And I'm like, I'm thinking, no, it wasn't fabulous. And they were like, man, the 
Spirit's presence was so thick and just soaking and being in His presence. One person came up and said, I brought my parents and they loved it. I tell you, it makes me want to cry because I was in shock because from my perspective, it was not. And it wasn't clear and I didn't know what had happened. So I went home and for the next three, four days, I just prayed and I sought the Lord. I, just like it says, I, I sought the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't understand what happened. And I heard the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit say this to me. He said, Mark, when y'all pray, come Holy Spirit, I come and I am there. And he said this, but I come the way I want to come. The light bulb went on, and then I understood that's why it was different from the first one. Oh, he didn't mean watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He meant Beware their teaching. I got it. You see? So some those are two ways. Look, sometimes it's going to be clear, but it's not going to com be complete. And your mind's going to wrestle with that. Just trust and go do what you know to do. And he will fill in the gaps. That's his job. He's not going to leave you hanging. And, but sometimes it's not clear. Go back to Him and seek, and you'll find the clarity that you need. Amen? So I think those are our two practical tips for today. For you to just be willing to step out when you know to step out, and when you don't understand, to go back to the source and let Him talk to you. Okay?